What is going on, everybody? My name is Eric, and you're listening to the Unlockables podcast, the story of video games, the people who play them, and the memories made along the way. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, wherever, whenever, in time and space you might be located, always appreciate you carving out a little bit of time every week to listen to what I have to say. Now, enough of the boring stuff, because I am very excited to have on the podcast this week one of my very good friends, bonfire enthusiast and avid praiser of the sun, Dave Jackson from Tales from the Backlog. Dave, how you doing? Oh, doing and good, is, man. we got Rookie, too? Is that, am I saying yeah, right? Rookie's, Rookie's here. Yeah, as you were doing your introduction, Rookie decided to start um, tearing off the lining from the bottom of the chair I'm sitting in, so I'm picking it out. Of, <laughs> he's a schnauzer, so I'm picking it out of his beard right now. Hey, everybody. Uh, good to be on the show. <laughs> That's adorable. I'm I'm sorry, Dave. This is just a rookie episode now. I'm, it's you're taking backseat, unfortunately. You're gonna get rookies rookies gaming history starting now. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I'm sure he's as good at Dark Souls as you are. So I'll just I'll just get Sora in here, and then we'll just have the dogs do the podcast. I'll upload it to yeah. YouTube. We'll call it a day. Yeah, that's we'll probably get a lot more engagement that way, right? <laughs> just uh, yeah, a, a million uh, views for like 30 second clip, easy. That's mm-hmm. I don't know why I wasn't doing it that way before. <laughs> So, Dave, how you doing, man? What's going on? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, like I said, other than um, other than picking the lining from my chair out of my dog's beard so he doesn't actually <laughs> eat it, uh, I'm doing good. Uh, life is good. How are you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Uh, finally got a chance to work on this show after all the madness, but uh, excited, and I appreciate you coming on. Uh, this will be the second episode of the podcast, and for just very uh, enthusiastically agreeing to, do, to come on. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's still a little bit weird for me. I normally do the show by myself or with Tom, so it's weird for me to ask other people to come on. So uh, thank you. I, I appreciate it very much. But enough of the boring stuff. Let's talk about the goods, right? Let's talk about games. So have you been playing anything good lately? Uh, okay, so this is in- you caught me at a very interesting time because I-, I finished all of the games that I was playing because I Elden Ring, as we're recording this, Elden Ring <laughs> comes out in... Uh, about 22 hours it will unlock on my PS5. I've been watching the countdown. Um, <laughs> it's a game so, in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, so like I uh, I finished all my games and I'm not playing anything at this current moment because as soon as Elden Ring drops, I will focus 100% on that. Um, but I did finish, uh, let's see, in the last couple of days, I finished playing It Takes Two. Um, I finished nice. playing Yakuza Like a Dragon. Oh, nice. And uh, Thomas was alone. Yeah, those three I finished in the last uh, last couple days. So you just pretty much cleaned the slate for this. You're you're I ready. Did. To go. Yeah, I, I like <laughs> this is this is probably the most I've ever planned or like scheduled my gaming. It's not really how I do things, but I was like, okay, Elden Ring drops February 25th. You have to finish Yakuza before that. At least finish <laughs> Yakuza. So yeah, I, I saw did. you. I saw you post your tweet where you keep your thread of games finished. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, he's clearly uh, clearing the deck for for Elden Ring. Uh, <laughs> yes, are, yes. are you doing? Um, when I talk to a couple other people, they have uh, done the whole strategy of where they've muted everything on Twitter, everything on social media, what they can to to mute Elden Ring and anything possible for it. Are you kind of doing that to go in blind before I sit like say too much or anything? Have you seen any of the reviews or anything going on? I uh, I have not watched any gameplay videos. I have not watched any reviews. I've not read any reviews. I have the words Elden Ring, ER, Elden, and also Ring, and From <laughs> Software. All of those things are muted on Twitter right now. Uh, I'm trying to go in as fresh as possible, but I do know that like as we're recording this, the Metacritic score is 
incredibly high. That's all I know. Um, and like, I, I know basic, basic things, but like for the last month or so I've been on blackout. So I think my, my favorite reaction to, to just everything kind of Elden Ring related is I, before literally minutes before we started recording, I saw a tweet that said, uh, they're like, I can't wait for horizon three because a week after we'll get the best game of all time because forbidden west just launched last week and now we're getting it's what's is shaping up to be an incredible game in elden ring for sure so mm-hmm. and uh horizon zero dawn i guess launched like one week before breath of the wild is that right <laughs> wow just t- terrible maybe gorilla needs to just uh plan a little better launch window next time <laughs> so. well they said that the people say that but then i saw a uh, a figure that Horizon uh, Zero Dawn has sold more combined than the entire Dark Souls series put together, so they're doing fine, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's wow, that's impressive. Oh, yeah, so I'm sure they're just laughing to the bank. They're like, Elden Ring, not even worried about it. They already have mm. the money, so. Yeah, um, for, as, for as popular as, like, the Dark Souls and Elden Ring, I think, is, like, within maybe, like, our community of people who play a ton of games, I don't think it's, like, this... It's not as popular as we might think it is, you know, mm-hmm. within the general gaming sphere. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I will probably pick it up later this year. Um, I, I do. I officially added to my backlog the other day. I know you'll be happy to hear this after talking to you. I will be playing Bloodborne this year, finally. Hell and, yeah. Um, Hell we yeah. Will be, we will be talking about these games uh, later, later in the show, but it is officially on my backlog. I have it scheduled, so uh, I'll probably dive into that. And then based on reactions, uh, Elden Ring, which uh, maybe you can help me with some co-op if I dive into that, because I've heard that the co-op is yeah. supposed to be much, much easier than other Souls games. So, 100%. Um, and I can, uh, I can help you with co-op on Bloodborne, too, if you want help. I think I have, a, I have a character that's in the first new game cycle that I can jump into. Perfect. I, I definitely, uh, I would feel more comfortable w- with you uh, kind of riding shotgun <laughs> with me. Definitely. That, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned one of the games that I've been playing. I've been checking out Forbidden West. Uh, it's pretty good. It's definitely more Horizon. It's a beautiful game. Uh, I tweeted a joke the other day. It said it's, I just renamed it Horizon. Aloy is fed up with everybody's shit because so yep. far <laughs> five to 10 hours in the game, she's just annoyed that people won't let her do what she needs to do. It's like, hey, you're all going to die, so just get out of the way and let me do what I need to do. There's and a little bit of that, right? Like, in the first game, Aloy literally saved the world, and now these people are still like, no, like, you you need to follow our rules, or, you know, stuff like that. Right, and I think that is one of the most interesting dynamics, not to, like, spoil anything about the game for anybody, uh, just kind of seeing, uh, hey, it's this person did basically save, like, all of existence, and to kind of see how... She's a reluctant hero and to see her interact with people uncomfortably when they refer to her as like the savior or somebody that basically saved all of existence. So it's interesting to see how she kind of deals with that new level of fame. It's kind of like how uh, I don't know why my brain makes weird connections to things, but in Super Mario RPG, like that's a game where the world knows like who Mario is. He's like super famous throughout his like adventures. So everyone's always like, oh, Ma- stop in Mario. Hey, do a jump. It's kind of like that. Everybody stops Aloy and is like, hey, like, thanks for saving us. And she's like, that's great. But you need to stop talking to me because I have to save you again. So please leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is cool that they do like they've they have like continuation between the first game and the second one in that way, too, where people know who Aloy is. That's cool. I don't feel like a lot of. I don't know. I don't feel like, like I said, I just got done playing Yakuza um, like a dragon and I've played all the Yakuza games at this point. 
And there's still like so many people that like we're on Yakuza 5 and people are like, who's Kiryu, the, the most famous <laughs> Yakuza member in the history of the Yakuza? And people are like, no, I think I can take him, you know? So there's... Right. Yeah, He's done so much crazy shit. It's like, why would you even bother trying to mess with him at this point? It's, yeah. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad that in Forbidden West, people are like, they've kind of written in, a, in that way where Aloy is now famous and people know who she is. That's cool. Yeah. It's definitely one of them kind of, if for, at least for me, it's one of my uh, favorite elements of the story so far. I haven't gotten too far in it just because I've been doing podcasts and other stuff. Uh, and then I picked up and been playing Sifu. That came out while I was on uh, mm-hmm. my honeymoon. And uh, <laughs> man, that is absolutely brutal how tough that game is it, it's a lot of fun it really fulfills all of your matrix john wick fantasies of just being able to rail mm-hmm. down a hundred dudes or people in a hallway it, it feels absolutely fantastic speaking of hallways they were the one of the earlier levels has like a hallway scene a, a la how um i don't know if you, did you ever watch right? what from old boy right well, I I was thinking more of how they did the one shot fight scene in Daredevil where he's in the hallway. I don't know if you oh, saw okay, that from Marvel's yeah. Daredevil. And I was that like, that reminded me of uh, of Old Boy when I saw a clip of okay. that. Yeah. So that's been fun. I haven't been playing that as much as I have been playing Horizon. And then I picked up one other game uh, called Vampire Survivors. You oh, may yeah. have seen me post about it. Uh, Three dollars <laughs> on Steam, and that game is simple, but the most addicting game I've played this year. It's incredible. You're one little dude in the middle of the screen and there's just waves of monsters spawning in all around you. And you just get power-ups. Like, you can get a whip, you can get across, you can get magic, fireballs. And you're just basically... My friend Shane from Retro Hangover described it the best. It's just like a moving tower defense game where you are the tower and just there's enemies swarming you. And Okay. It's... Man, for $3, it's... <laughs> It's so addictive. It's insane. All of a sudden, I picked it up yesterday. It was 10 o'clock, and the next thing I know, it's 4 p.m., and I was like, uh, <laughs> this for, for literally four hours or however many hours yeah, that is. I've, uh, I've heard a lot about that. It seems, uh, it, seems, it seems like not. it's definitely not a genre of game that I generally play. Like I, I really don't like tower defense, but the way that mm-hmm. you describe it makes it sound like... Um, you know, even someone like me who doesn't like tower defense, if I'm the one moving around and attacking stuff, then I can mm-hmm. probably get behind that for sure. And that's that's literally the only mechanic is you just move because everything is just auto fire. So you just have to oh, move okay. around the map. And gotcha. there's just something about mowing down hundreds of undead deaths. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carnally <laughs> satisfying. So. so it's like 8-bit Dynasty Warriors or something yeah, like that. Where <laughs> Essentially, yeah. It, at first, you would think that it's just like a very low-res, like knockoff castlevania pack and like whatever game editor creator knockoff thing that you you would be making a game on uh but man it's it's crazy i don't know i'm i've played that yesterday and today and it's for some reason one of my favorite games this year so far so i mean if you got three dollars lying around what do you got to lose right it's exactly yeah three dollars and i I don't think that the people that made this game either were expecting this level of just craze around this game right now it's it's absolutely unreal yeah yeah that sounds cool sifu also looks really cool i'm definitely gonna play that sometime unfortunately it came out two weeks before elden ring or three weeks before <laughs> elden ring so i was like you gotta wait i can't i can't mm-hmm. i just you know there is there is no way like i know it's not a very long game i probably could beat it before elden ring comes out but i'm just like no I'm just focus finish yakuza that game takes forever finish that game 
based on what I've played of Sifu so far, I'm like, I think I'm on the third level. It, it's got a lot of replayability because there's a bunch of different skills to master. There's stuff in different paths through a lot of the levels you can take. So there's definitely a lot of replay value. I read somewhere that it's like an 8 to 10 hour finish if you're first going into it. But it seems to me that there's a lot of replayability there. And both that and Vampire Survivors heavy on the roguelike action. So that's that's interesting that I, you know, went from playing zero roguelikes to when I played Hades for the first time two years ago to all of a sudden now <laughs> playing more roguelikes than I've ever played in my entire life. So right. uh, it's really interesting to kind of see that genre come into its own, uh, especially after Hades kind of you know took over the world there for a little bit. Yeah, it's starting to creep into like more. I I don't I don't know if I want to call super super giants not triple A triple A, you know, but it's starting to creep into you know bigger budget games. So Hades and then Returnal, Sifu, Deathloop. We're, we have all of. I mean, even the big companies are starting to make these now. It's not just like a you know indie thing like it felt like it was a couple years ago. Right, Returnal's also on my list. I missed that one last year. I've heard nothing. Nothing but good things. Uh huh. So it's definitely going to pick that yeah. up. Right, so let's get into the meat and potatoes, shall we? So, uh, Dave, you run a podcast called Tales from the Backlog. Can you give me a little bit of a, a history about your show, kind of how you came up with it, and, and kind of what your what your intentions were starting that show? Yeah, so I was doing my other podcast, a top three podcast. I started that um, about a year before Tales from the Backlog started, and so like. Once I got the ropes of, you know, making podcasts and stuff like that, I started to think like, what I really want to do is talk about video games because video games are like by far, by far, by far my biggest um, source of entertainment. And I will, I will play, I'll play 20 video games for every one movie that I watch. Like it's, it's that skewed heavily in that direction. So I started to think like, I want to make a, a podcast um, about video games and um it's actually i'm on a uh, i'm on a slack channel for the duckfeed uh tv podcast network that's watch out for fireballs bonfire side chat and those shows and i was talking with one of the guys uh, one of the hosts of the show and people were having a bunch of opinions about a game that was you know on one of those shows and i can't remember what game it was uh but he was like hey you guys have so many opinions you can make your own podcast and i was like He's right. I can. <laughs> we and can so do I that. did. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I, I should start my own games podcast. And so that's that's where it started. I kind of like mishmashed a few of my favorite podcasts together. And that's why my show is so focused on one game per episode mm-hmm. and um, like kind of walking through the mechanics, the story, um, visuals and music basically but like really focusing on mechanics because that's what i liked hearing other people talk about and then Mm. um yeah and and from the very beginning i knew that i wanted to do uh my show spoiler free at the beginning uh the way that you know how i do it so that uh, people who haven't played that particular game if you're curious you can listen to my show 
find out what the game's all about. And then at the end, we have a spoiler section where we, we, you know, talk about anything we want to. But I wanted to make a show for people who can, uh, so people can listen to it without having played that game. You can, you know, if you haven't played Disco Elysium, that's a game you don't want to be spoiled on. So like, when I was like, I want to play Disco Elysium, all these podcasts are talking about it, but I can't listen to them talk about it. So that's why I decided to make my show uh, that way. So my show started in October uh, 2021. Uh, by the time people hear this episode, we'll probably be at about episode 20 plus a couple of bonus ones that I've put out. And uh, yeah, it, it's going real strong. So that's what my show is. It's each episode, a deep dive on one game, um, with no spoilers for a while, and then we'll warn you when it's spoiler time. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good time. I've had a great time. Every episode is me plus one other guest. So I'm the only permanent member of the show. Uh, Eric, you recorded an episode with me that I'll be releasing in uh, March, uh, so people can look forward to that about uh, Metroid Dread. That was a good conversation. But I have a rotating... Um, yeah, I, so I've had 20 episodes released by this point, and I would say it's with, you know, 15 different guests at this point. So I really have a, a diverse group of guests that come on my show, and uh, that is, uh, that's been really good. I like, I like talking to a different person each time, even though I may be sacrificing a little bit of, you know, chemistry that co-hosts can build up as you go, of course, but it, it is cool to talk to a different person every episode. Yeah, I think that's really great, too. And it really gives you uh, that's been one of my favorite things doing like the podcast and doing the show is just I had when I started side questing podcasts, I, I had like a preconceived notion of what I thought video games were. Uh, but just over a year of doing that show and starting this show and having talked and met people, you know, like you and, and so many of our, our friends that I really realized I really didn't know anything. And I got to experience so many more different kinds of opinions. And I think that's definitely a great strength of your show. It seems like every every week when you have a different voice on, um, you know, the people get to know you. And like, I know your your opinions and thoughts very well. Uh, but just to kind of see you be able to play off the difference of opinions is, that people bring to the show too. I think that's that's really fantastic. And I have to thank you too for the spo spoiler wall section because that uh, I think that's ingenious. And that's nothing... I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts throughout the week and I don't really ever hear another show that has like a very distinct it's like okay like this is a half the show you can listen to don't go past here if you don't want it spoiled you it saved me from and i've done that for a few of your uh, like your shows like uh, firewatch came to mind that when you did the firewatch i think you had that and mm -hmm. i was able to listen and get the lay of the land of that game and not go past that because i i want to go and play that game now i want to experience it so um that's that's really great and you said that you've almost done about 20 episodes now and it'll be about yeah. 20 when this and this is going to come out next week, I think, not to date the episode. Right. Um, so in those 20 episodes, is there kind of anything you've learned about the types of games you like or dislike? Uh, is there anything you've kind of learned about your tastes in general? In the first, I would say in the first 20 or so episodes, I've uh, so I've recorded maybe 30 episodes and I've released I record months and months ahead because I'm a neurotic mess if thing if deadlines start getting close. So <laughs> um, um, in the first like 20 episodes or so, it was mostly like I was playing the games that either like I had played very recently and I just did a quick episode about it or games that like, you know, I, I, I was going to play this anyway. And 
because I knew I would enjoy it. And now I'm going to make a podcast episode about it. It's why in the first 20 or so episodes, um, I don't have any episodes where I play a game that I didn't like. Uh, so that's kind of something I noticed now as I'm going forward and I'm now choosing games to play, uh, mostly still based on like what I would be playing anyway, you know, Elden Ring and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm mm-hmm. also like peppering in games where I'm like, okay, uh, I didn't like um, I didn't like the Outer Wilds the first time I played it, but I want to play it again and I want to do a podcast episode. I'll see if I like it more this time. And if I don't, I want to bring on somebody else and bounce off ideas and stuff like that. So that has kind of changed as the show is going. I'm starting to choose games ha- mostly still based on what I want to play, but also uh, because now I have this opportunity to have a conversation with somebody, uh, perhaps about a game that I don't like or a game that I wouldn't normally play. Uh, yeah, that's it's starting to uh, starting to come up like that. So that's kind of been changing. And so that's kind of taught me a little bit about uh, my behavior as a, a gamer and like the types of games that I would consume. Because, you know, if, if I wasn't going to talk to anybody about, you know, The Outer Wilds, then uh, I would probably not revisit that. You know, I would just kind of leave that and say like, you know, okay, I don't like this game that everybody else likes. Uh, that's just going to be, you know, part of my gaming history now. Now I have a, a better excuse to revisit it and stuff like that. So, yeah. That's super interesting because not, I, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of people out there and, and me included in one of them is if I if I played something and didn't like it, I, I normally wouldn't go back to it. Uh, right, so it's same. it's. It, it's interesting that you can go back to that with that kind of different perspective and just kind of really see, really give it like a critical kind of once over, especially with if you like have a person on and say like you didn't like the game and they did, you can kind of kind of hash it out and see, you know, kind of where the middle ground is. And right. That's right. that's super interesting. Now, it's, that's got me thinking about like all the games that I played and didn't like. And, oh, man, that's that's tantalizing. Um, so is there anything you've obviously, you know, played 20 shows worth of games and you said you've recorded 30 and are, are obviously still playing more. Um, is there anything that's kind of surprised you? Uh, is there anything that you played to ex- that you expected to like and didn't like uh, or vice versa? Did you play, go into something expecting uh, to hate it and you actually liked it? Uh, you know, have, has, have you ever had an experience on the show where you like went to play something and like your initial opinion or thoughts going in drastically changed by the end of it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Again, like most of the games that I pick are things that I I already know that I'm probably going to like it. And so there's a couple, though. There's a couple that I was very like worried about. Like, you know, this is not the type of game that I normally like. So um, coming in March, maybe by the time someone listens to this, uh, there will be an episode of my show released about Kingsfield 4. Uh, which is a PlayStation 2 game made by From Software. This was From Software before Demon's Souls. Um, and I, uh, if people have listened to me talk before, I don't like a lot of older games. I don't think that they're very fun. I don't think a lot of them hold up as well as your memory tells you that you think they do, you know? Uh, so I was worried because I was like, um, a PS2 game, I'm not sure I'm going to like this. And I really, really loved it. Like, really loved it. Um, so that was surprising and, um, the, the prospect of doing a podcast episode has also made me, 
kind of push through some games that I would have given up on if it weren't for like the uh, idea of talking to someone about it on the show. So like um, Earthbound is one I recorded. It's going to be out um, in, I think, in April. I recorded Earthbound uh, with Keith from Main Quest. Uh, that is a game that I, if I did not have the promise of talking to Keith about it, which I was excited about, I probably wouldn't have finished Earthbound. But I'm glad I did because after I pushed through, I got to see some stuff that's really, really, really good that I really love now. And uh, so I'm thankful for like the podcast for helping me push through that because uh, I, I would have given up um, about three or four hours into the game and then I didn't. And I'm, yeah, like I said, thankful that I pushed through. So, and that's something we've talked about too, is kind of, um, you know, you tend to stay in, in kind of the more modern era of gaming when, when it comes to picking and choosing games. Do you have mm-hmm. kind of a specific like line, not like a line in the sand, but for lack of a better term, a line in the sand is kind of past this year, things kind of start to get a little gray for you <laughs> is there, or, or it's just really kind of based on personal tastes. It's, I, there's not a line there's definitely not a line because especially with uh, older games, there are some genres that I think hold up better than uh, others. You know, like I can go back and play an I, old final, an old, like an old JRPG. And I think other than, you know, grinding and stuff, which which sucks. Other than that, I think a lot of that has held up well. It's, it's like more action games from back mm. in the day that I don't think are very fun anymore uh, compared to some newer stuff. But like, I guess if you look at the list of the games I play, it's like super heavily skewed into like PS4, Switch, and newer. You know, mm-hmm. well, that's what that's what a lot of people are looking for now. Is is what is more currently like there? There is the retro community out there, but there's a lot more people looking for um, what's happened recently. And uh, I, I do share some of your opinions. There There is some stuff from back in the day that definitely, definitely has not aged super well. There's some stuff that you just even uh, I had this experience on on when I did Retro Hangover uh, with Chris and Shane. Uh, man, I'm giving them free airtime this episode. Uh, I did an episode on Crash Bandicoot with them and mm-hmm. I had Crash Bandicoot was a big part of my childhood. And I had really, really great memories. And this was really the first time I'd gone back. Uh, except for like the new HD remake at this, I went back and played the original game and I was like, man, this is, <laughs> uh, I, I think, yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think crash is important, uh, historically for what it did, but it, it's not, it's not, it's not as fun or easy to play as, as I certainly remembered. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I think the part that fascinates me about that era of gaming is, uh, just kind of the way they were trying to figure stuff out and do stuff back then. They were literally making it up as they went along to put some of these games out. One guy was like, hey, we can't fit these last five songs on this cartridge. And the guy's like, well, just, you know, pop the cartridge in the toaster for a minute and just that'll give us extra like five kilobytes of space to put the song <laughs> on or whatever. And they were just doing crazy shit like that. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, would you ever take the show in a more uh, kind of, would you maybe go back and play some older stuff if, if you found people to talk about it on the show or? Oh yeah. Like I, I have, like I said, I, I did a episode on earthbound. I have a couple like things that I, I want to play older, older things like uh, final fantasy six is something that I'm scared to revisit, but I am going to revisit <laughs> cause it's one of my favorite games ever. And like, I, 
I don't know. I kind of uh, there's been a couple games that I really loved as a kid that I I went back and played again, and I was like, this sucks, and it, it now sucks that my memories <laughs> are tainted. Um, <laughs> uh, my childhood like, was awful. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, but like, I'm not a modern games podcast by design. It's just that's the type mm-hmm. of game that I generally enjoy. So, like, if there is a retro game that someone wants to talk about, and I also want to play it. Yeah, sure. Let's uh let's do it. But just like the the type of stuff that I normally like, the type of stuff that I normally play, it's it's definitely skewed toward more recent stuff. And like the way that I play and record and schedule my episodes means that I'm never going to be on the cutting edge of like that first week, you know, review scene. I'm never going to be there. Like I'm recording an episode about Pokémon Legends Arceus. By the time that episode airs, that game is going to be four months old. And I bought that on release, played mm-hmm. it really quickly. And just the way that my show works, I'm never going to be in that. So I'm not, by design, I'm not focused on what's happening now. It's just, those are the kind of games that I tend to play the most. Well, I think that's interesting too, because I, for one, and this is a problem I have with with modern game review in general, is... I, I truly think that you can like spend a couple days or a week with the game and kind of just chug it down. Let's say play 10 hours a day for five days straight and get your review out or whatever you want to do. Uh, I, I think that can skew the way that you review a game or talk about it, especially if it's brand new. Because if there's some experience where I've played something for like 10 hours a day for like five days a week back in my younger days and I just like got so burnt out on it in a week, it I was like, oh, this game wasn't that great. I think that letting it marinate and going back to talk about something like Legends Arceus, for example, four months later, I think that's a great way to do it because I think you have to let a game age a little bit, kind of like wine before you can, you know, fully digest like what, you know, what it is and, and what it means. That's, that's just kind of what I, so I, I appreciate that, that you kind of take that uh, approach with it. I think that's a much better way to do it. So you can have a full complete picture of the game, especially if the game launches in a broken, messy state and they spend two years fixing it, <laughs> mm-hmm. not going to name drop anybody, but, uh, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, man, like w- another thing, like you and I, we schedule podcasts. Sometimes we talk about specific games. Like when you, I remember you did your, your, your close look at advanced wars on side questing. Right. And oh, I did um, do that. <laughs> yeah. So like, you and I, we schedule things, and so by scheduling episodes like that, we give ourselves deadlines, and any time a deadline is introduced, especially when you're playing a game, it it does kind of like creep into uh, your head as you're playing, and you may not let it soak and let it marinate. Maybe Advance Wars isn't a great example, because you you sound like you've been playing Advance Wars your whole life, so... <laughs> um, but It's been like, a long time. <laughs> yeah. Now I feel old. <laughs> but like... Um, if I were to give myself a deadline and say like, I'm recording about Legends Arceus next week, I have to finish it by next week. I'm going to rush through it. And it really takes a, there are people who do this really well, but it takes a very uh, like professional and very good uh, reviewer uh, analyzer to like not let a deadline affect the way that you are perceiving and critiquing a game that you're playing. It, It takes someone really special to do that. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to call out anybody who I don't think does that well. I think there are a lot of people who do do it really well, but it is a it is a struggle. 
I had an experience like that when um, it was a three years ago now that uh, when Kingdom Hearts three came out and any longtime listener to the show knows that for better or worse, I love that game for some reasons that I can't explain. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that game came out, I, I beat it in like three days. I plowed through it. It was like a it's like a 50 hour JRPG. I beat it in three days and I just <laughs> plowed through it. I was like, this is the greatest game of all time. Like I actually I cried when the credits rolled on that game. And um now that I've been able to like sit and marinate on it for three years, uh, I, I still love it. It's emotionally, it's a very important game to me, but I've been able to look at it more, more critically. So mm-hmm. that, that'd be a, a warning. Don't let your passions get in the way of <laughs> being smart <laughs> about what you say, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So going forward, and I know you said you've only got 20 episodes, but you're, you're going strong and you've got a lot more. And I'm, I'm hoping that you'll be around for a long, long, long time because yeah, uh, you're, so. you're part of, you're part of my weekly, uh, like my weekly routine now it's like whenever your shows come out i which i think you're on wednesday now it's mm-hmm. just it's the first thing i do when i get up so i turn your show on and it's thanks man comp- yeah it's company while i get ready so in, in a weird way you're like making breakfast with me and doing all this <laughs> stuff with me in the morning takes you two no. and a half to three and a half hours to get ready every morning listening to my yes. episodes <laughs> yeah exactly and my boss is like why are you late so much it's like well i can't come in until i finish listening to dave so like sorry this yeah. isn't gonna work this darkest dungeon episodes three hours work has to wait <laughs> <laughs> right. I normally, well, I, I normally listen to people on, um, on Spotify on 1.2 speed. Um, because I just feel like when you listen to people at 1.2 speed, it feels like everybody's just had like one more cup of coffee than they should have. <laughs> and it's really energetic listening to people like that. So, uh, and, and I can listen to more friends shows if I, if I'm running a little short on time that week, uh, mm-hmm. but 20 episodes in, um, do you have any plans for the future of the show? Just kind of keep doing what you're doing. I know we were talking a little bit about different ideas, but, uh, yeah, that's put you on the spot. (laughs) Yeah. My, so my, my issue now is that now that I have the flow of the show and I, I know exactly what each episode is, I know, you know, I have a big list of games that I want to talk about and play in the future and, uh, I'm feeling good about it. My issue now is that I have, too many people that I want to talk to and too many games that I know I want to play. And so I, I have to stop myself from matching people to games uh, too far into the future, you know? So like I, you and I talked about a game that, that we want to talk about in the future on my show, uh, but then we were like, okay, but it's not going to be for several months. And mm-hmm. I kind of like, it's it's cool that we have this, you know, written in pencil promise to do it but i also kind of feel bad um doing that i I would like to make things more concrete and more you know in the near future you know so that's something that like in the future i i need to kind of keep working on like what i i schedule things out a month or maybe two months in advance but like anything beyond that there's so many unknown things i don't i don't really want to keep doing that um so that's something i've learned and that will kind of dictate how I handle the rest of the show. The other thing I want to, I've been like kicking around is that um, at a certain point in time, it's just not going to be possible for me to uh, play and beat four to five games a month. You know, <laughs> like right now I have an That's unprecedented amount of free time and that amount of free time is not going to be in my life uh, forever. So I've been kicking around like what's something I could do once a month or twice a month to um, keep putting out shows because I like doing the shows but like how can i kind of lessen the load of games to play uh, on myself and a lot of the really popular 
uh, gaming shows that do one game per episode, they have stuff like this too that they've figured out. I need to figure out uh, what works for me that way. Uh, so, I mean, you and I brainstormed a couple of ideas. I'm still, you know, then I looked at my schedule and I was like, well, I have enough games for the next several months. I'll be okay for now, but I need to, you know, figure this out at some point. I actually just, I wanted to pitch this idea to you on the show because I, okay. I thought of it. I thought of it literally today. So <laughs> okay, what we could, cool. what we could do is so we can, we can incorporate Tales from the Backlog, right? And then mm -hmm. we could just get people to franchise it out. And then we could just start oh, okay. a Tales from the Backlog franchise <laughs> in like every city. And then you'll have no shortage of content because you'll have people doing it for you. And then you just collect the franchise fees and get rich. And then yeah, basically printing money. Capitalism, baby. <laughs> so. Let's do it. I think I think we just won. I think that's the secret, right? Is yeah. to literally just have all the money and then you win. <laughs> so, um, no, that's exciting. And obviously, like, I'll be here. And then whenever you want to do new things, just uh, let me know. If you have a crazy idea, be like, hey, I'm going to start doing this. I'll be like, hey, come on the show and talk about it. Promote it. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, for um, sure. The other I thing touch is like, base. the other thing is like, um, I have a Discord server that I've had running for over a year now, but I only use it for recording. And I've been thinking about like, do I want to kind of start up a community for Tales from the Backlog and my other show, a top three podcast. Do I want to have some kind of community aspect? Because it, it would be cool to incorporate some kind of listener feedback in Tales from the Backlog, you know, uh, you know, listener reviews for the game that I'm talking about at that time or something like that. That could be kind of cool. Um, but I'm, it's, you know, I'm still kind of figuring that stuff out uh, as I go. I want to make sure that the, the show the format of the show and everything like that was nailed down before I start getting into, you know, extraneous things like discord servers and stuff like that. Right. Uh, well, based on my experience in the innumerable discord servers that I've joined since starting the podcast, giving people a space to fight about things that they love is always a good thing. So, <laughs> yeah. and then you just come in and you comment and kind of stir the pot a little and just kind of see what happens. So <laughs> mm -hmm. You just sit back and it provides hours of entertainment. So uh, if you do that, definitely let me know. I will jump in and uh, be sure to throw around some uh, opinions and get some people fighting. <laughs> Not cool, to cause cool. unruly mayhem <laughs> in your Discord, your your imaginary Discord server. But uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you also have, like you've mentioned a couple of times, I just want to touch briefly uh, on your other show, a top three podcast. Mm -hmm. um, just tell me a little bit about that, what you guys do there. Yeah, so my three best friends from high school and I have been doing top three lists for like, I don't know, 15 plus years now at this point. Just whenever we're hanging around, maybe a little intoxicated in some form or another, you know, hey, dude, give me your top three, you know, DC superheroes. And then we'll like argue about that. And so when the pandemic hit, we, everyone kind of like had this, not everyone, but a lot of people had this awakening to like digital forms of communication where like when I was, when I was, you know, first getting introduced to it, it was like, okay, you can use Skype or not talk to people digitally. But then like, we kind of realized like, oh, we can just all hop, hop in this discord thing and, and chat, or mm -hmm. we can, you know, we can play Jackbox party pack together online. And so we kind of like started hanging out a little bit more online and these friends and I, we've been in a group text for years and years and years, but like, so we started to think like, Hey, we should make a podcast just like everybody else who decided to make a <laughs> podcast in, uh, the middle of, or like the, the early years of the pandemic. Um, yep. 
I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure about you, like side questing started during the pandemic, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was, well, Tom and I, this is, uh, that was Tom and I's second podcast, the first podcast we started a few years ago, but it just kind of, uh, just kind of fell apart. And I, as much as I've tried to take those down, those are still online and they're really, really bad. So I'll never, <laughs> I'll never let anybody find those ever. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so like we we saw a couple of our friends from high school started podcasts and uh, we were like, hey, let's do a podcast where we just do top threes and this will give us a chance to uh, kind of hang out with each other a little bit more and do something creative. I didn't know anything about making podcasts, but I just kind of assumed the, you know, host duties, the editing, I learned how to edit audio and stuff like that. And it just started as like, uh, hey, like, let's hang out. Let's do top threes like we used to. Um, and But let's record it because we think it's pretty funny. And so we uh, decided to release it as a podcast. So that's a top three podcast. We just do top threes, you know, um, top three foods at the fair, top three N64 games. You know, we talk about video games sometimes, but not all the time. One of the things listening to that show that, uh, amazes me and I've told you this before listening to it is that no, no matter what your guys's topic is it could be about literally anything it could be Seinfeld episodes or Beatles songs or whatever the just the wealth of knowledge between all of you is amazing to not only be able to make lists every week and come up with new topics but to also be able to intelligently talk about literally every every iteration of lists that's that's impressive because yeah. I struggle to <laughs> sit up here and talk about video games, a thing that I think I know about, but the more I listen to podcasts, I realize that I actually know nothing about. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really impressive, you and you and um, you know all of your friends, and that's that's cool. I didn't really know the origin story behind that, so that's that's really cool. And I would never think to like make lists with my friends is something to do the past time, but that's actually super. Just hearing you guys like talk and how funny all those episodes are. That's, oh yeah, that, it's a it's a total stoner activity to just sit around and list <laughs> stuff. So like that's, that's kind of the, the genesis of it, but yeah, that like, I don't know. I mean, we've, we've all been uh, best friends for at least like, you know, coming on around like 20 years now. So like we have so much comfort talking to each other, uh, talking about stuff. And I think that's where a lot of like, you know, we're not always having super intellectual conversations, but we are we are like very very comfortable saying what we think with this group of people you know because we've been best friends for so long and like even when i do tales from the backlog and i have a total stranger come on my show i'm not as comfortable saying exactly what i think um as i am on top three because it's with my best friends Mm -hmm. so yeah that i think that's where some of that like you know it may seem like we're you know, very deep in conversation. We do sometimes, but the rest of it, I think, is really just because we've we've been doing this for so long. We're so used to this. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. I I love, and this was what I really hoped coming from this show is to kind of get these these origin stories or whatever, just to, the stories behind why people do what they do and do what they love. So that's that's really interesting, and thank you for sharing that with me.
the uh, the second portion of the show now, and this is this is what everybody's favorite part is. It's the part where I ask you to talk about yourself, which is something that everybody loves to do. <laughs> As if I haven't been already doing that this entire time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, Dave, just I want to know a little bit about you. I want to know uh, where your gaming journey began and kind of what games have meant to you in, in your life, and you can. It's open-ended, so you can go in any direction you want with that question. You can tell me any story, whatever, whatever you want to do. Okay, so my first gaming thing I got was a Game Gear, and I was like, I was young enough that I don't remember how old I was, you know? Like, early, the good old days. <laughs> portion of early childhood just kind of blends together into a mess of memories, but I definitely had a Game Gear. I played the shit out of this um, Power Rangers game on the game because I was the well that'll date how old I was a little bit because Power Rangers was my favorite thing at the time Uh, so I had a Game Gear and then but it wasn't like uh you know I, I was maybe too young to make this kind of decision but it wasn't like a you know this is my thing now I play video games it wasn't like that it was just like I play Power Rangers a little bit each day or when we're in the car or something like that and uh, but I played outside most of the time when I was you know a kid uh, with the kids in my neighborhood, and uh, I guess it, it wasn't really until I got Pokemon where I was like Pokemon Red, uh, where I was like fully like oh okay like I am not going to go outside anymore. I'm going to play this <laughs> forever. <laughs> and uh, so I think like Pokemon was the thing that for Christmas in like '98 I think my brother and I both got Game Boy Pockets. And uh, each version of Pokemon, I uh, read the pocket, dude. yeah, and yeah, that was uh, that was it. Like I, I had gone over to friends' houses and played their Super Nintendos and stuff, but I, I never asked my parents for a Super Nintendo or like a, a Sega, whatever was out at the time, or I never asked my parents for the original Game Boy. Um, I don't even know if I asked my parents for Pokemon. I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like, I think hey, this was, thing's popular right now. Just take it. There you I go. I think it was one of those things where, like, my parents were in tune with what the kids really liked that Christmas season, and they were oh. like, uh, "This is a slam dunk Christmas gift." <laughs> Every kid, if these kids don't like Pokemon, we're just gonna like, you know, send them out in the woods and let them live out the rest of their lives out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Pokemon's like the real genesis. I think it was for a lot of people, and that's. Um... We we must be we must be similar not not that we have to age ourselves here but we we must be around around similar age because um yeah I was I was very much too into the same thing like Power Rangers for a while was was my life there Power Rangers and and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and um yeah and then when when Pokemon came around that was uh, that's still to this day like some of my most like clear memories of childhood is is around that because like you said uh-huh. that was that was a global event like that was the the thing that was the thing that everybody was doing the 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 shows the games the cards everything mm-hmm. and so i i remember that that very very clearly i have a memory of pokemon like cuz it came out during chris i got it for christmas and i played it like until we went back to school but i was so like new to video games i didn't know how to save i didn't know you could save so even oh, though it's it's yeah. in the menu, there's a button in the menu that says save it. I knew how to access my Pokemon, which is also in the menu, but I didn't, the, the idea that you could save this game didn't become clear to me. So I pray, I played up until Mount Moon, like 
30 times over Christmas break. And then my parents were like, okay, Dave, time to go to bed. And I would just shut it off because I didn't know you could save. And then I got to school and all the kids were showing me all the cool stuff they had. And I was like, how did you get that far in the game? Like, do you just play all the time? <laughs> and they're like, no, you idiot, you can save. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> now I know what to do. <laughs> that's that's really funny. I, I remember having clear memories too because um, that's funny. Uh, Pokemon was one of my uh, first experiences, like the quote-unquote RPG, or I guess Pokemon would be like a light RPG because it's the yeah. very basic of what, what you'd consider an RPG. And I, I knew you could save, but um, forever I just I couldn't get out of Pallet Town because I didn't know how to. I would just mm-hmm. walk around that square and go in people's houses for maybe like a couple hours. And I was like, this is what everybody's so excited about. Like, <laughs> like what, what is this? I don't know. And my friend's like, no, you're supposed to go in the grass. And I'm like, I didn't think I could go in the grass till, you know, they told me I could because it was supposed to be dangerous. So I just, I didn't go in the grass because I was afraid to. <laughs> so I just spent maybe like three hours in Pallet Town. And <laughs> mom said, don't go in the grass. So I didn't go in the grass. I, right. like, what's the I didn't problem? even talk to any of the people because she said not to talk to strangers. So <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to talk to an old man that comes and wants to give me a ball with a monster in it. Like, no, why yeah. would I do that? So um, that's, that's great. Uh, so you mentioned back at the top of the show uh, that video games are currently your preferred form of media consumption, uh, mm-hmm. I guess to use a corporatized word. Um, so w- what is it about that that you make you prefer them to like binging a show or watching a movie or, or, or things like that? Um, a couple things. Number one, um, I have, uh, I've had, I was diagnosed with ADD when I was a kid. I've always had trouble uh, paying attention to stuff. I, I they, they told me in high school that it had like gone away or something. And like, I did fine in school. So I was just like, okay, cool. I don't have to take medicine anymore. That's good. Uh, but now as an adult, I've noticed myself like really struggling to pay attention at times. Um, and I don't take medicine because I don't live in a country that values mental health, uh, which is not not the United States, another country that doesn't value mental health. Uh, so I've just been kind of uh, reticent to go get checked and stuff and mm-hmm. a little personal, but still, uh, video games hold my attention. That's why, uh, I can play 55 hours of Yakuza and remember so much about it, um, and have such a connection to it. And if I watch something on TV, I am on my phone the entire time, uh, cause I, I just can't stay focused and maybe that's on me for not getting my shit checked out. Sorry for cursing if that's not the vibe of this show. Hey, um, <laughs> you can say whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe that's on me for not getting it checked out and getting it corrected, and I will at some point when I'm you know ready to. Uh, but like, video games hold my attention, so that's number one. Um, that's it's actually one of the things where I will say like this movie is definitively great because I didn't look at my phone the whole time. It held my attention the entire time. It's why. Uh, probably pandemic related. I don't watch a lot of movies because I don't go to the movie theater, which is where you are forced to pay attention to a movie, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, games hold my attention better than everything else, but it's, it's the interactivity of games that makes you connect with it. And I was talking about this on a recording I did yesterday. Um, to me, for me, the way that I enjoy entertainment, um, an average video game will connect with me in a way that's much closer to my heart than a good TV show will or a good movie, you know? Like, yeah, I, I'm trying to, like, uh, you know, 
the story in I've been talking about Yakuza, so I'll just keep saying those. Those are those are good video games with, you know, if they took a Yakuza story and made it into a Netflix show, it would be fine. You know, the reason I like Yakuza is because I like the main character and I like the weird situations that they get into, and then the main stories are these, you know, over the top crime drama things. Um, if if that was a TV show, I would not like it a whole lot, but as a game with all this interactivity, it helps me connect with it, you know, so well that I actually really do love a couple of the stories in the uh, in the Yakuza games, and I think it's because I was connected uh, due to that interactivity of it. I think that's the main thing that that keeps me going uh, in games. But I also like what I really like about a lot of games is exploring and uh, learning about backstory, like finding things, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and that's not something that movies or TV or something like that can give you. It's that's a video game thing. I w- I would agree with all that, and I I for me, there have been shows and movies that I've watched that I think are really great, and shows and movies that I've watched that um you know have really connected with me on an emotional level. But it like you said, it's it's not the same when you have a game and. It really, it's the ability of any video game that's put out to connect with any person, really. So any game that you talk about could be anybody's favorite game for whatever reasons, because you form an emotional connection to the game because it's so interactive. You actually right. feel like you're experiencing it as opposed to like watching it, something happen to, you know, to, to somebody else, which is the way I feel most times when I'm watching a show or a movie. It's like, hey, like this isn't you know, happening to me, I'm watching it happen to somebody else. But even when you're playing like a game with a character who's like the main character of the story, you still feel the connection because you've led the character through all that steps of, of that character's journey. Right. And it, it allows us to really, and that's, that's why I, I try to, um, on my show, especially, uh, if there's a game that I don't like, like I will say like, I don't like it. I didn't enjoy it, but I try not to savagely trash any game that I talk about just because uh, I don't know if that game could be somebody's favorite game for, for emotional reasons. And that's uh, really one of the things that I love about video games. And one of the things I wanted to, to explore with this show and is for better or worse. The reason one of my favorite games is a a game where Donald duck is a wizard. So (laughs) right. It's because of that emotional connection. (laughs) Yeah. You, you kind of unlocked a comparison. And so like, this may sound sacrilegious to some people listening. I'm aware of that, but this is this is how my enjoyment of video games goes, okay? So I really love the show The Wire. Um, it's one of my favorite shows ever made. It's an incredible show. It's an incredible piece of, you know, film, you know, storytelling and stuff like that. I love that show. I think it's amazing. Um, I like the experience of playing Final Fantasy X more than I like The Wire, and I'm not going to say that Final Fantasy X is a better piece of media than The Wire, but it video games just connect to me more than something on TV. There's a detachment watching something on TV that uh, video games, frankly, I, I I never feel detached from a good video game, you know. And it it's because of uh, what you said. You're you feel like you're taking part in what's happening in a video game, whereas in a movie or a TV show, you're watching what's happening so much of modern tv and i'm just 
now kind of starting to think about the shows I've watched over the last several years, which have just been kind of the the popular shows of the time, right? It's been like Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad and Ozark and these these shows like this. Uh, a lot of what I'm coming to realize now is what a, a lot of these shows have is they bring that shock value, whether it's like these gruesome deaths or people dying that you didn't expect. Um, it, it's really kind of trying to like subvert your expectations is kind of what I get from TV. And I've been realizing as I've been talking to you now, it's like that's what I look for in TV is I look for like my I look for like surprise and shock more than I look for like emotional connections because I, I get that from from playing games and I in TV I'm just looking for like a a momentary like surprise or something which is which is interesting because I don't necessarily like scary movies or or stuff that's designed to do that so uh, that's sorry that was just me rambling and kind of yeah. becoming enlightened as I'm talking to you I, so. I, I'm the same way and if I guess if you want to if you want to kind of like chart this and chart like your connection and emotional involvement in what's happening in a piece of media, um, all those shows that you named, those are shows that like would hit that level, you know, game of Thrones, uh, aside from the last season, uh, which has just tarnished everything. (laughs) Um, Ozark Ozark is a show that I think is really great. I stopped watching it in the middle of season two for no reason, even though I was really enjoying it. Um, so my wife and I did too, and we're trying to rewatch it right now. So (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, and I stopped watching it. That's, I guess I can just say that, like, if I say that a game is really good, I will finish it. And I think Ozark is a great show and I just stopped watching for no reason. Right. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way too. I, I won't leave a good game game unfinished. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I had another point, but I forgot what I was going to say now because I just yeah. have like a, a million thoughts running uh, running through my head. There was, so the only thing, um, we're just kind of waxing nostalgic about things like this. The only thing recently I kind of felt I had an emotional connection to uh, was uh, when I went to see Avengers Endgame when it came out. And yeah. that's, it, that's its own thing. And thinking about now, so... 2019 was a big year because it was the end of several things that I'd been following for a long time. So Kingdom Hearts 3 came out and that wrapped up those series of games. Uh, Then three months later, Avengers Endgame came out and I had gone and seen every single one of those movies with my friends the day they came out. And then the next month was the last season of Game of Thrones, which I'd been watching with my dad for like 10 years almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I suppose I don't have to worry about like spoiling Avengers at this point, right? I'm sure like everyone's no, no. seen it. Okay. So at the end, like when Tony, when Tony Stark dies, like I was genuinely like in tears and it wasn't because I was like sad that he died. I was just like, wow, this is like the end of like something that I've done with my friends for like 10 years now. Yeah. Um, I don't like, you watched, I don't even know where I'm going with this point. You watched, you watched 20 plus movies leading up to that moment and so all of those you know memories associated with following this mcu like thing is coming to an end right now and that definitely i got emotional in that moment too and it happened in um it's happened a lot recently as a bunch of movies like from popular franchises including marvel start to go to callbacks and they start to try to hit that nostalgia button so like there's that new Spider-Man movie, uh, No Way Home, I think it was. Did you see that? 
Yeah, I think we I think we talked about it a little bit yeah. too, didn't we? I think we did. Yeah, I uh, I thought that movie sucked, but I cried at the end uh, because they hit this nostalgia button um, really, really well. Same with Star Wars Episode Nine, which I think is a terrible fucking movie, but I cried at the end because I've been following Star Wars my entire life, and this was the end of a chapter. Even though I hate the way it ended, they're still hitting that button. That so the MCU did that. Um, and I, I, I'm sure that's, uh, that plays into part of like why Kingdom Hearts three resonated with you so much. Cause it's, it's, it sounds like that also has been a lifelong thing for you, right? It, 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 it was, yeah. I mean, that game came out in 2001 and I've been playing it, uh, pretty religiously. I, I play at least one or two of the titles, uh, once a year. Right. So man, are, are you taking over my show right now? It's kind of <laughs> kind of what it feels like. Just, just come well, in. Just take trying it over. to involve you in the conversation too. <laughs> like this is this is something that that affects you too. Right. Dave's like, look at me. I'm I'm the captain now. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing. I'm running the interview now. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So that was really. But it, it wasn't because like I w- had. I, I will say this. I do have kind of a man crush on Robert Downey Jr. So to see him like die was was kind of sad. Mm-hmm. But. I didn't have like a high emotional connection to all these things. I had more of an emotional connection to like the memories of watching them, like watching Game of Thrones with my dad or watching all these movies with my friends. It wasn't so much the, you know, I experienced this story like alongside this character, that sort of thing, which is the thing I get from video games is the the point, I guess we were trying to make through this whole thing, I guess. Well, a lot (laughs) of video, a lot of video games are like to keep in mind like the average open world game takes as much time as watching all of Breaking Breaking Bad, you know? Yeah, that's so true. You are with a lot of these games, and I'll use Yakuza again, I because Yakuza Like a Dragon took me fifty five hours uh, to beat, uh, and so I had a long time to make emotional connections with the characters in that game. And so when that game ended and it has a pretty emotional ending to it, uh, I got emotional watching it because I'd spent so much time with those characters. And even a, like I'm doing air quotes here, short video game is, you know, 10 hours long, Mm -hmm. 20 hours long. I still consider that to be a pretty reasonably length uh, for a pretty reasonable length for a video game. You're still spending a long time, longer than any movie would ask you to spend with a set of characters. You really would, and that that Breaking Bad specifically, I think, is five seasons. Like, is roughly like fifty six hours of television, um, roughly. Right. You know, if I'm rounding each episode to about an hour. So yeah, like you you spent the equivalent of Breaking Bad playing Yakuza. So I mean, that, just one Yakuza. I've played eight Yakuza games. <laughs> right, like. there's just one. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's um, just one game. Some of the games get even more crazy. Like it takes. I mean, if you want to experience a good amount of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, that's like 100 hours. I know Persona 5 is like at least 100 hours if you want to give everything out of that game. The one that comes to mind is is so many people have uh, intense emotional connections to Final Fantasy XIV. And I, I have no doubt that that game is good, but it also takes like 300 hours to play the entire story. So like... Yeah, you should have an emotional connection to lot. the ending of that. That's a long time to spend with these characters. I just, I want to know if I can, and I, and I think you said this too, I saw on your tweet where you said, I, I would like to play this as like not a bunny person. I think, yeah. was that, or is that someone else's? Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely me. That's, yeah. <laughs> feel a little strange, but uh, you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, 
I want to shift uh, to my next question here, and okay. uh, I'm I'm excited to hear you talk about this. Uh, so it's no secret you have love for the Soulsborne games from from mm-hmm. software. Uh, what have those games meant to you? Uh, what is it about the Soulsborne series or the Soulsborne games or just from software games in general, if you want to make that broad of a generalization? Um, you know that make them really alluring to you and make you love them so much. Okay, so I think I said this in my Dark Souls episode, but I played a lot of Skyrim when Skyrim came out. Skyrim and Dark Souls came out in the same year, and I think I played Dark Souls the year after. Wow, they, so really, I, they really did. Wow. Yeah. That, that's crazy to think about. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So when, when Dark Souls came out, I didn't play it because I was playing Skyrim. And then when I played Dark Souls, I instantly lost the desire to ever play Skyrim again. And um, so like just a little background for everybody. I've played uh, all of the Dark Souls games, uh, the Demon Souls remake, because I never had a PS3. Uh, I've played them all multiple times. Uh, Bloodborne also, Bloodborne's my, I think it's my favorite game like ever. It's just, uh, I I could talk, I, I, I say I could talk and I did talk for hours and hours about Bloodborne. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> on my show coming in April, everybody. Um, oh yes, mark your calendars. So, yeah. Um, so a couple things that I think make these games really special. Uh, number one, they're the most engaging as far as gameplay goes. Um, for me personally, the the kind of thing that I guess I value. It's kind of taught me what I value in games. Like I really value how every encounter in the game combat uh, takes your full attention. Um, and something I think Dark Souls doesn't get enough credit for is I think that exploring the world of Dark Souls, uh, Bloodborne also, finding items, treasures, uh, finding little bits of story, it is, is some of the best exploration that any game can offer. And if you value exploring in games... And this they're not open world until Elden Ring. It's not like you can just like go anywhere you want. You're following a very precise path most of the time, but just exploring these levels and finding out like what's here, who is here, what's the story behind this place. Finding out all of that stuff is incredibly engaging. I know like the bosses get a lot of credit and like that feeling of, you know, fight the boss, die, fight again, do a little bit better, but still die. And you gradually learn the boss and you have this like amazing moment when you finally beat a boss that uh, you've been like banging your head up against for a long time. And I, I get all of that. I talk about the bosses on my show too, but that's not the thing that I like look forward to in a new game. Like, like I said, as we're recording, Elden Ring uh, releases in uh, 21 hours and 30 minutes now or whatever. Um, I'm, so excited about exploring the world that they make because from software does exploration better than uh, most other developers i think that's what's really special to me is like just how fun it is to go through these levels and explore yeah i wanted to and i wanted to get your take on this because you've spent so much time with his games it's Mm -hmm. they're just games that i've never had the experience of of getting to play uh, mm-hmm. I just never went out of my way to play them. I don't have anything against them. I just never went out of my way to play them. Um, so I always knew in the back of my mind that there was more to these games than just, uh, you know, people saying that they were hard or like, oh, the boss fights are great or that feeling of elation you get when you, when you conquer a boss. 
uh, one thing I know that the the Soulsborne games are, are are famous for is uh, when you're dropped into this world, there's not too much. I mean, I've heard you talk about it before. Like there are like lore videos on YouTube that you can go and watch, like find out like what the full story is and what actually is going on because you actually have to look for the story in those games because it's not explicitly spelled out like what exactly is going on based on my understanding. Yeah. Um. So do you think? Just thinking about the, like you said, the the joy of it is the exploration part of it. Do you think that uh, the way that they decided to tell that story enhances like the explorations? It's not uh, something that I think uh, you know burdens a lot of open world games or games where they try to make exploration a focal point. Is that they stop you like every five minutes to beat your head, beat you over the head with like exposition or something? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if if that question makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, maybe part of the reason that makes the game so engaging is that you don't have cutscenes, basically. Like, the first Dark Souls game has, like, three cutscenes in the whole game. There's one at the beginning, there's, like, a couple in the middle, and there's one at the end. And they're they're very short. It's not someone sitting you down and telling you the story for five minutes. Um, So I think that helps with engagement. However, it also means that, like, I don't pick up the story by myself. I kind of go through, because uh, what they do, if, if you haven't played, is they hide the story in item descriptions and NPC dialogue that's kind of cryptic. And so it's a puzzle to put together. You have to read the item descriptions to get the story. And I don't do that. Um, so like, but they, they're really good at environmental storytelling too. And like, so those those lore videos help me out a lot. Um, so I think it's effective for this kind of game because another thing that I like about them is they, they all feel like very solitary experiences. Um, you don't have a party of characters following you around. You don't have, you know, people say like, Hey, meet me in the next town and I'll tell you what's going on there. You don't have that going on. They feel very, uh, solitary. I really like that. But like, as far as a way to tell the story, it's it's fine with me. I also, you know, I've talked about Yakuza a lot that that game has, that game ended with a 45 minute cutscene, and I liked it. So I'm not against that. <laughs> so, but the, I don't know, the, the storytelling isn't quite my favorite thing about it, but it, it does lend to like the overall atmosphere of the games. Do you think that, uh, if you were just to go through and kind of play Dark Souls, uh, do, do you think if you just went through and weren't able to experience that story and just play the game all the way through. Do you think you can still enjoy it the same amount? Is the story just really kind of like just extra if you want to explore and put in PC out of that puzzle a little more? I think the story is um, the icing on top of the cake for sure. Okay. Because the first time I played Dark Souls, I didn't read the item descriptions. I had no idea who most of the characters were and I still, it became one of my favorite games of all time. And then I, I discovered, you know, five years later that people had actually made these videos talking about the story. So yeah, not knowing the story doesn't affect me really at all uh, in those games because, like I said, the the play is so good. One of the things that, uh, and you mentioned this on your episode you did with uh, the list off guys about Death Store. Mm-hmm. Um, you said one of your big pet peeves these days, and I, I'm certainly guilty of this as well, is that every game that seems to have just a little bit of difficulty or have some kind of like 
soul gathering mechanic is all of a sudden classified as like a souls like game or this game's like dark souls um and i know you took exception to that so i, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about what what do you think it is that uh, and you, you touched on a little bit um that makes a game souls like if it's not just rolling hard combat and collecting souls it's obviously deeper than that so um how do you think people can be better about classifying a game as souls like going into the future because it, it literally seems like every hard game we come out is like oh this is like dark souls or because it's hard or whatever and that's that's really people only scratch the surface of like what these games actually mean right to me dark souls has a very particular rhythm to it um and like a kind of game feel to it that has been played with a little bit you know dark souls 3 is faster than dark souls 1 and bloodborne is faster than dark souls 3 and stuff like that but i i'm i'm glad you brought this up because it it's it does a disservice to any game that they say like death's door for example people compared that to dark souls in reviews and stuff and it's it's not a souls like game you don't lose your stuff when you die uh, the combat is hard, but it's not the same kind of like take your time, bait out attacks, um, dodge around. Like every combat encounter is um, challenging and engaging. It's not the same. It's just hard. It's a hard, if you imagine playing Zelda A Link to the Past, but it's difficult. You know, that's what Death's Door is like. So when I came into Death's Door and people said it was a Souls-like, I was disappointed because it wasn't what I expected. So it did a disservice to Death's Door uh, to describe it that way. It also does a disservice to uh, to the Souls games because it shows that people don't understand, like, yeah, they're hard. You can't just button mash your way through it. But that's not what it's about. It's not about how hard it is. Um, like, pe- people seem to have forgotten that, like, every NES game is balls hard. Like, has everyone just forgotten that, like, most NES games, most Super Nintendo games are really difficult? Like, nobody would ever confuse those for Dark Souls ever. Yeah, Dark Souls <laughs> didn't invent the, like, idea of a difficult game. It's just people getting lazy with their comparisons. Um, I've talked with, uh, with Keith from the main quest about this. I think Mega Man X is impossible, but I've beaten Sekiro and all the Dark Souls games. Like, it's not like, it's not like this is the only game that's difficult. Um, so yeah, it just bothers me when people like people compare everything that's difficult, even if they're not trying to be like dark souls at all, uh, classifying them as a souls like game just cause they're hard. Um, yeah, like, and, uh, there's a couple games that I think are very souls like in a lot of ways, um, except for the combat. I think like, I think hollow Knight is very soulsy in some ways, uh, except for combat, because combat in Hollow Knight is fast and zippy, and you're jumping around, and it's very acrobatic and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just using Dark Souls as a descriptor for things that are difficult starting to drive me crazy. I think that's very much a a product of just kind of how modern gaming journalism is set up. Mostly because Dark Souls is whenever you mention it people pay attention, right? People yeah. pay attention if something is quote unquote hard like Dark Souls, right? So people will and click on your article if you say like this new Souls-like, uh, you know, indie game. People are like, ooh, new Souls-like indie game? Okay. Not only does that do a disservice to the legacy of Dark Souls because if you just compare everything to like Dark Souls or Bloodborne or whatever or to what From Software does, um, what they have done uh, when you talk about 
this era of gaming, I'm talking about like 2010 forward or whatever, however you divide them up. Uh, I think from software leaves a very, very big mark on whatever era of gaming that they are classified to in history. So I think that does a really big disservice if, you know, every hard game coming out, you're just saying is, is, is souls like that, that. That's stupid. Um, and, but does a big disservice to, to Death Star, which deserves the chance to, you know, stand on its own and be its own game, not just, oh, it's, it's a Dark Souls like game and, and be classified as that. And, you know, potentially, taking away people who might be turned off by that from from a game that's otherwise pretty good and I, I definitely don't don't think that's that's fair uh, but I think just people need to be video game reviews in general just need to be smarter about the way they talk about those sort of things like you can have a hard game and it not be be souls like I think one game they do a really good job of that is one of my personal favorite games monster hunter um right the I w- it's not exactly the same. I would say the combat in Monster Hunter is similar to Dark Souls. There's, you know, there's rolling and you, you, it's, it's not yeah. as speedy. It's a um, bit more expressive in Monster yeah. Hunter from what I can tell. Uh, Dark yeah. Souls is at, at its core, it's a very simple combat system. There's not, you're not jumping up in the air and doing these, you know, special attacks like I see in all these Monster Hunter videos. Right, right. I, I, I would say the base though is similar. Like you have your weapon attacks and your, and your roll and, and stuff like that and limited amount of healing items you bring with you. But I would never, ever in a million years try to make the argument that Monster Hunter is the same as Dark Souls. Um, right. Despite the fact that every enemy you fight in the game is a 30-minute boss fight, that no one in their <laughs> right mind would do that. So that's just kind of me thinking off the top of my head. But um, you mentioned I wanted to ask you about one um, because I hear you talk a lot about like the Souls games in Bloodborne, and uh, you did mention that you beat uh, Sekiro. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts? I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this or heard you on a show mention this. Maybe you did. Uh, what are your thoughts on Sekiro? Because I know Sekiro is kind of like the the black sheep, I guess, yeah. of the from software games. It's it's different. I feel like just from reading people uh, in the community and stuff, it's it's definitely probably the most divisive one. If if I could be so yeah. bold as to say, that. other than other than Dark Souls two, I think it's the most right. uh, divisive in the the community. Yeah. Um, I really like Sekiro. I think it's a lot of fun. I think part of the reason it's so divisive is because it is pretty different, even though it retains a lot of those same, you know, ideals as Dark Souls, where, you know, take every encounter seriously. Boss fights are a, uh, like a repeat process to learn what they're doing and stuff like that. Um, you know, lose your souls when you die and stuff. But Sekiro changed up a lot of stuff. Um, it, it added, stealth mechanics it added tall grass to stealth around in and stuff like that and that you know that deflecting mechanic to weaken an enemy's posture bar and get a kill shot instead of like steadily uh decreasing their hp like in most action games it's really different and it's really demanding like um technically like reflexively like really demanding of you so i i get people who because like especially dark souls one demon souls dark souls two those are pretty slow games and you need to have some degree of twitch skill to beat those games especially the harder bosses but but sekiro is like very very like you you have to have you know be able to react quickly and react in a basically perfect way uh that i think put a lot of people off whereas in um oh in uh in in the souls games 
it's a lot more slow paced, especially the earlier ones in the series. You can you can take your time. You can like kind of even in a boss fight, you can kind of take your time. You can quickly dodge out of the way of one thing and just watch attack animations and learn. And in Sekiro, it's a lot harder to do that, I think. And I don't think that's a, a problem with Sekiro. I think that's more of a problem of I understand in any community you're going to have purists, right, that want the original experience like not really distilled down or, or changed in any way. Um, but I think from software, you know, you, you've got you had three Dark Souls games, right? So you had you have that experience. I, I think from software has every right to explore, you know, a different uh, take on their style. Um, and yeah. That's why uh, Saker is one of the the few Souls games that I've actually uh, played a little played a little bit, and I actually own. Yeah, that game is, and I I've played I probably fifty to seventy five percent of Dark Souls one. So uh, yeah, those games are are. I, I mean, I understand you can tell just by the style that they're from software games, but right, um, they're it, very it different. Though it takes a different mindset. It does, well, yeah. like you said, you can kind of circle around and learn enemy attack patterns. It's like. You got to be fast and sacred, otherwise you'll just get your ass handed to you. So <laughs> and yeah, and like I I do think it's fair. Some people criticize the difficulty of a, a couple of the bosses in Sekiro. I think are like probably among the hardest things they've ever put in a game. And so like they start to approach this level of like this is so difficult. It's not fun anymore. I have to be so perfect that I'm not really having fun doing this. And it, it becomes frustrating. That happens a couple times in Sekiro for a large number of people. It didn't happen for me, but I can't just like disregard the way that's like a huge number of people feel about a couple of the bosses in uh, Sekiro. Again, I didn't have a, tr I didn't have trouble because I kind of gamed my way through that deflecting mechanic but i know that there are so many people who think that the last boss in sekiro is like hatefully difficult that i i get it i understand i understand why a lot of people feel that way so do you think uh with the imminent release of elden ring here one, one of the things that from software has kind of talked about in regards to that game is uh th their promises there to like not cut corners on the difficulty and they, and they most certainly won't but they have said that this is going to be like the most accessible of their games that they've they've mm -hmm. ever put out so just kind of your experience with them uh and i know that that both of us i, I like i haven't watched any of the trailers or read too much on it so i'm kind of in the same boat as you are um what do you think that looks like for them to say that hey this is the most accessible game so far but them also not willing to cut corners and this might be kind of a redundant question because we're about to know in like a day what this what yeah. this looks like. But well, I'm just curious to kind of get your thoughts on it before we experience it. This is my um, prediction. But if you look at Bloodborne and Sekiro, there's not a whole lot of... Well, Bloodborne, I actually disagree with. This is the general consensus, even though I disagree with it for Bloodborne, that there's not a whole lot of player expression because... There's not a whole lot of different types of builds you can make in Bloodborne. I disagree with that, but in Sekiro, it's 100% uh, true. You have to play Sekiro the way that From Software wants you to play, like exactly the way they say you have to play Sekiro this one way. And what I think they mean, because that was their most recent game, what I think they mean in Elden Ring is that 
I think there's a stealth mechanic, if I remember correctly, so you can approach things stealthily. And then you have all of the classic Dark Souls build variety on top of that. So you have your stealth mechanic. I'm sure you can go any number of magic-based classes, stealth-based. You can do the classic Dark Souls thing of being a naked guy with a giant sword. You can express yourself and kind of tackle each challenge in a way that suits your play style. And that's not something that Sekiro let you do. Um, So I think that's what they mean is that they've added this stealth portion. It's open world too. So you'll be able to even approach things from the angle and like in the environment that you want to, I guess, like, you know, say that there's an enemy uh, and you can maybe even climb up on some rocks and, you know, attack them from above. And that's not something that Dark Souls let you do. Uh, All of these things are coming together that I think add to like player expression and the the way that you want to tackle a certain situation. They're going to allow you to have a lot more freedom in Elden Ring, I think. Like I said, I haven't read any reviews, so I might just be wrong. But this is what I remember from like the the very, very early coverage of it, like last year, you know. Uh, It's certainly shaping up to uh, probably be one of the best games that comes out this year. So uh, I'll I'll be very excited to uh, I'm sure you'll be reacting on social media as as you play it. So I'm I'm very excited to hear your experiences with it as you as you dive into it for someone who's a veteran of the series that that Mm -hmm. that should be very exciting. time limit so dave we're gonna wrap it up i want to uh thank you so much for coming on this was this was awesome to to get to talk to you and kind of hear your experiences and uh learn so much about the stuff that you like and about dark souls and about your shows like it's uh really great and this is really really what i wanted with this podcast to be about was just people come on and uh tell me about their stuff and tell me about what they love it's been fantastic so thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it yeah it's been a lot of fun man thank you for letting me talk about myself and then letting me talk about from software my my two biggest interests in my life <laughs> um Some, yeah, sometimes it, one or the over it just depends on what day <laughs> exactly yeah it, it's been a blast man I, I appreciate the uh the opportunity to come talk to you again and uh every, everyone listening to this like eric's uh, making appearances on my show from time to time too so like come check that out um we have a we had a good conversation and yeah just uh thanks for the uh thanks for the time dude the, the Metroid Dread episode is going to be super cool. I'm very yeah. excited for that. It's going to be awesome. Yep. Um, why don't you take a minute to go ahead and uh, plug all your stuff here? Sure. So again, uh, Tales from the Backlog is the video game show. Each uh, episode, one game in depth, no spoilers until we warn you. Uh, you can find that anywhere you look for podcasts, but you can also find me on Instagram at Tales from the Backlog and on Twitter at TFTBLpod. The other one is a top three podcast. You can find that on Instagram and Twitter at a top three podcast. 
with the number three, uh, both of those. And that's, you know, both of those shows are available on whatever podcast platform you listen to stuff. Go check that out for Tales from the Backlog. Find a game that you're interested in. Uh, choose, you know, whatever you want there. For a top three, we cover so many different topics. Uh, any topic that you're interested in, uh, you can find uh, something there, I think. Yeah, and obviously I will, uh, all of his stuff will be linked down in the description, the show notes, all that good stuff. And cool. um, I w- I normally do mine, but my stuff's linked down in the, the show description. If you really want to find it, go ahead and go down there. It, just click on it. I'm on, I have a personal Twitter, I have a podcast Twitter, Instagram, uh, and you can email me if you feel like sending me hate mail about why you hate something I said. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for that. One day it will happen. That's how you know <laughs> when, you made it. When that happens, you made it. Right, when you get the haters, so... Yeah. Again, Dave, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. This was awesome. And I will uh, certainly be calling you back on to talk about Elden Ring and talk about different stuff that happens this year. This year is shaping up to be probably one of the best years in recent memory for for all of video games just because of all the COVID stuff that got delayed. So we are going to have a lot of stuff this year. Yeah, we talked about Elden Ring a lot, but there's there's you know a handful of other games that i'm incredibly excited about uh for this year so i'll be looking forward to it man thanks for having me on no problem thank you very much and as always everybody make sure you stay safe take care of yourself and uh enjoy playing elden ring talk to you guys later